1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake go along with your always dancing host, James Rapine. <laughs> uh, every day, right? Like every day that we've been on YouTube, you've been dancing. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Look, I, I get to see you. I get to see the people, or at least they get to see me. So I got to put my best foot forward. And uh, heck, that's a, that's a heck of an intro we have on YouTube and uh, you know, it's the same music if you're listening to the podcast. So uh, if you're uh, new to the pod, hopefully you like the music. But if you've been been here for a while, you're used to it. But yeah, I like to dance a little bit, Jake.
1: I imagine that uh, a lot of our listeners are doing the same exact dance as you. I would like to imagine that they're doing the <laughs> same exact little shuffle with their hands in their cars, maybe sitting at a red light as you do when we record this. But uh, we've we've got another day of training camp in the books, James, number two. Some Rocky notes to talk about for this offense. And, and that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with Burrow and the wide receivers as that seems to be, you know, that, that's always where we're really going to start is Joe Burrow and his rookie number one pick wide receiver, Jamar chase. That That's obviously a topic of interest. We'll talk about the offensive line a little bit. We're going to have some kicker talk. We're going to talk about the linebackers a little bit and uh Then Jesse Bates had a really interesting press conference today we'll get into, and we'll have a little bit of a mailbag to wrap up. But James, as you're the person between the two of us who has a lot more information about training camp practices than I do, why don't we start with your big takeaways for Joe Burrow and the wide receivers today when that was the most tweeted about topic that I think I saw regarding today's training camp practices.
2: Well, the Bengals clearly trying to push the ball downfield more today that was something that they didn't really do on Wednesday Thursday that was a point of emphasis and, and Burrow did that not only did he do it uh, you know in seven on seven drills and things like that throwing to receivers and we'll get to that in a second but he also did it throwing to the training staff towards the end of practice cross body tight throws to the end zone and I, I thought they looked fine I, I don't think I was necessarily wowed by them but again the given the circumstances, given what he's coming off of rolling out, running all that stuff and uh, and still throwing the ball downfield. And accurately, I might add that uh, I, that was impressive. Now, when you get to uh, the actual drills and going up against defense and throwing to Jamar Chase, there was good and there was bad. I'll give you the good first because, you know, I'm such a positive person that likes to dance as we start the show, Jamar Chase, beat Chidobe Awuzie like a drum. And Awuzie was running with him, and much like in college, Chase's strength just gave him an edge there, and he won when the guys were side-by-side, and he ended up getting two to three steps on Awuzie, and Burrow threw it deep. And it's like, oh, man, this is the connection, and I'm rolling on it, and the ball hung up there, and that gave Awuzie time to catch up and bat the ball away. But uh, So the good – Chase got separation. The bad, the ball hung up in the air. Fast forward to later in the practice, same thing. Chase gets separation. You're thinking, man, this is six, and this is right in front of me, probably 10 feet away from me. And uh, unfortunately uh, for Chase, this time, not only does he have separation, the ball's right here, and it's a, a perfect throw by Burrow. And uh, it went through Chase's hands. I think he got fingertips on it, but basically went straight through his hands. So uh, getting in sync is something that the, they're going to need to do. But they, they left two plays out there. One was Chase's fault and one was Burrow's fault. And you can't
1: overreact to anything from day to a training oh, camp. No, you no. can't overreact to really anything from training camp, period we're We're not to anything that really counts yet the The most important thing is the mental reps. Obviously, you would like to see him catch the ball. It would be preferable if he caught the football, but certainly not the end of the world. Nothing to doom say about because we had a ball hang up and, and a drop pass. Let's wait and see what they look like against competition before we make too many judgments. Sounded like T. Higgins also had a drop. Sounded like Tyler Boyd had a really good day. That's uh, from Ben Baby's observations that I saw on Twitter today. So the wide receivers, a bit of a mixed bag, but only day two of camp. So that's all right. Let's talk offensive line, James. The first unit for the second day in a row consisted of the guys we expected and Xavier Suofilo at right guard as Jackson Carmen continues to try to make his way up this depth chart and show that he belongs in the NFL. Jackson or sorry, Xavier Suafilo also talked to the media today, and I find it interesting that they're putting Suafilo in front of the media, period, given that Jackson Carmen, you know, until this week was a guy that both of us expected to step in and start.
2: Yeah, it's it, to me, it was kind of a, uh, a symbol that right now there's a clear gap. Now, I might be reading too much into it. It might have been as simple as the Bengals PR staff. They were looking for a veteran, looking for someone willing to speak. Xavier Suafilo does need to be, even if he doesn't start, he's a critical backup, and you expect to see him out there at least some this season. So, yeah, let's get him out there. You know, he's well-spoken. So it could have been that simple. At the same time, when he's lining up with the ones – when you look at jackson carmen and we've questioned him enough go back to uh, the past couple of episodes i'm not going to make this about jackson carmen it is interesting and so it does feel like there's a gap right now there might not be a week from now or two weeks from now and uh xavier suafilo did say look jackson's just trying to figure things out uh, the good news is for suafilo 100 healthy extremely physical mike daniels praised him so i think that uh Overall, the Bengals guard play, if it is going to be Xavier Suafilo and Quentin Spain at uh, left and right guard, I feel like, or, or right or in left guard, I should say that. I don't want to get it backwards. Uh, I, I think that that's an upgrade from what they had for most of last season. So would it be a bummer if Carmen didn't start or wasn't ready? I guess that would be the bummer part of it. Yes, but at the same time, you have a, a proven guy who albeit does have some injury concerns and has been injured in recent seasons, but a guy in Xavier Suofilo who's at least established and closer to league average than what we were seeing last year at the guard spot.
1: Yeah. I think the big thing there, the big upside that you get if it is Xavier Suafilo, is you have a line full of veterans at that point. I know Jonah Williams has only played 10 NFL games or, or yeah, I think it's 10, but all these guys have NFL experience. They've been in the league at least two years and Jonah's probably the best of them. So There is that upside. There is upside to having veterans, to not relying on a rookie on your offensive line. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And, you know, I'm very much in favor, as I said yesterday, in not rushing Jackson Carmen into action before he's ready because he does have the athleticism. We've talked a lot about his tools. He can be a very good guard in the NFL, but if he needs some time, I'll let him take the time. There's no reason to rush him. Let's talk kicking James. 2 days in a row we've got some kicker talk on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Austin Cyber did indeed get to kick today and he was 5 of 6, which I mean the kicking competition is over. That's it. We can go <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I mean it, it sounds like these guys are going to get their chances but yeah, I, I don't know how much there is to say about that. It's something that we're going to talk about every day though. Cybers kicking and the the rookie Evan McPherson's kicking and today Cyber Had the first flinch, the first missed field goal of of training camp twenty twenty one.
2: Yeah, it's look. I I was actually talking to Ben Baby about this, and look, everyone assumes it's a foregone conclusion with Evan McPherson. I, you know, it's just the reality of a fifth round pick spending it on a kicker. At the same time, I was there for the Jake Elliott, Randy Bullock experience, and so I, I haven't completely rolled it out yet, but in in my logic, logically, I have. But I was thinking the same thing a few years ago, and look what happened. So really the key here is Evan McPherson just doing what he did on Wednesday, going six for six. Uh, Austin Seibert, I covered him in Cleveland when he was drafted by the Browns, and Cleveland fans were in uproar for drafting Seibert. By the way, they should have been because it was the wrong pick, clearly. Uh, and it's something that he's been, he's been inconsistent. He's missed the 40-yard field goals here and there. He's missed the extra points, which is ultimately why Cleveland cut him after week one last season. And so uh, I, I think that this job is Evan McPherson's now. I do think that you could say, ah, it's done, it's over. At the same time, we're going to be keeping tabs just in case. And right now, Evan McPherson, perfect. And uh, our, our guy, Austin Seibert, uh, not as perfect. Five of six right now.
1: The first flinch. The first flinch. Coming up next, James, let's get into the defense a little bit. We have some linebacker talk to get to briefly before we get into Jesse Bates's press conference. Defense
2: coming up next. Evan McPherson likely replacing Randy Bullock. Well, Randy Bullock might have made that kick in week one had he been on the built-bar plan. And, yes, I'm referring to to that Chargers game. Look, we talk about built Bars all the time as Jake flinches because I'm making a joke there. Look, we talk about built Bars all the time. I love them. I have them every single day. And whether it's a post-workout snack, a midday snack, because everyone gets hungry when they're at the office, and I know offices are opening back up, you want something healthy. You want something that's going to fill you up and taste great. Built Bars are exactly that. They're protein-packed, covered in 100% chocolate, low sugar, low calories, Perfect for whatever you're looking for, whether you're trying to bulk up, slim down, they got it with Built Bar. So check them out right now at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 when you're checking out, and you're going to get a 15, or you're going to save 15%. I mean, it's that simple, 15% with promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't
1: get a hold of anyone? Let's get into this defense a little bit, James. You mentioned before we started recording that the linebacker "quote unquote" competition, at least at this point, and again, it's only day two. Plenty of time for things to change here. Looks to be pretty clear cut with the expected front runners. I would say expected front runners of Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson getting a bulk of the reps with the first team. And look, we when Akeem Davis Gather was drafted. He was discussed initially as, well, they have to find a way to use him. They have to find a way to leverage his skill set. And the initial thought was sub package player. He's a guy that we liked. We liked the skill set. We like the athleticism, but not necessarily the prototypical every down linebacker in the NFL. And it looks like the Bengals defensive coaching staff might agree early on in training camp.
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's clear to me that there's a a separation there. Saw some Marcus Bailey as well. Get in the mix, uh, and, and look, it, it Jordan Evans too, and Akeem Davis gaither He's kind of in that mix, you know, second third tier. It feels like with Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson clearly here, and so that's the thing. And by here I mean first tier. And it's early; things can change, but something like this, it feels right. Like Jermaine Pratt, it's the ultimate prove it year. It's year three. Very inconsistent, flashed a little bit as a rookie, had some high expectations for him to take a step forward last year. Didn't really happen. Logan Wilson flashed a lot as a rookie and has has really taken on more of a a vocal role, according to Lou Anarumo. And with no Josh Bynes, you need him to. With his age, which is something you like to point out, Jake, and I think it's a really good point, you need him now to flash. And, And not only flash potential like he did last year, flash hey i can be this starting linebacker week in week out so i guess flash might not even be the right word but show that he can do that and uh and we'll see so i'm not shocked that it's pratt and wilson but uh that was certainly the feel today uh and yesterday as we uh watched the first couple of days of practice
1: yeah and i think you know you say flash it is more than flash you're right you, you kind of got there at the end it's like we need to see that <laughs> consistency at this point yep. from all of these players on defense you hear this coaching staff talk about it all the time as well. I don't think that there's a word that these coaches use in press conferences more when describing what they're looking for in these players than consistency. I mean, obviously they talk about explosive plays and takeaways Mm -hmm. and ball, like all these things, ball security. But the thing you hear most, I think, from Zach Taylor's staff that they preach is consistency. So we do need to see it out of those guys. Uh, One quick question before we move on to the Jesse Bates Presser and his comments about his extension. Jordan Evans, I, I know that in day one, he was involved with a, a near interception, the near interception we talked about in yesterday's episode. Do we see much more of him today? Is he getting in with the ones at all?
2: I didn't see him in with the ones. Um, and yeah, he, he batted away a pass that Bates was mad about because he thought he was going to intercept it. So that was uh, one of those things where, and uh, in, in that was the play I think I referred to. Uh, on Wednesday night, Thursday's episode about the Joe Burrow must throwing a pick. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Evans there. And in one quick note before we get to Bates, and it's kind of a good transition. You were talking about consistency, and it's something Luana Rumo has said time and time again about the defensive backs. Darius Phillips today, as in Thursday, inconsistent. Got beat. Uh, downfield. I'm trying to think of the receiver, Stanley Morgan. It was 17. uh, Got beat downfield, was really mad at himself uh, in one drill. So uh, look, if Darius Phillips wants to be the fourth corner, he can't be losing to Stanley Morgan deep downfield. And and he did. So uh, we'll see there. Just one play, by the way. Made a couple plays on the ball later in practice. But uh, that's that inconsistency part of things that has kind of hampered him through the first couple of years of his career.
1: It's always kind of in the bag with with Darius Phillips, but luckily for the Bengals, they do have someone that's generally speaking, very consistent in their secondary. We did a full deep dive on Jesse Bates. I was joined by Mike at Bengals Sands. That's an episode of the podcast. that's not on YouTube, but you can go check that out. If you look at the archives on any other place, you can get podcasts a whole 30 plus minutes of Jesse Bates conversation. And today I think music to Bengals fans ears Bengals fans. I think, uniquely probably a little bit more than a lot of other NFL cities love it. When players make it clear that they want to play for the Bengals, there's this chip on the shoulder and I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think there's a chip on the shoulder of Bengals fans with players wanting to leave and the national media saying, Oh, why would you want to play for Cincinnati? So when you get a guy like Jesse Bates saying, of course, I'd love to be here. Of course I'm to, to quote him super eager to get the contract Mm -hmm. extension done That's something that I imagine Bengals fans must love.
2: No doubt about that. And it's funny. It might be an Ohio thing because Cleveland fans are the same way. And I I don't know if it's the Midwest and it might be just pride in your town and how important football is uh, to the everyday Joe, which obviously we're grateful for. And it's important to us because we spend every day talking about the Bengals, right? So uh, I totally understand that, but you're totally right. I mean, I wrote about, uh, that, and use the the quote there, you know, super eager. And it, that was the first thing out of his mouth, by the way. He's like, man, I'm super eager uh, to sign that extension. And my mom's even more eager because I think he's going to try to um, move his mom from Fort Wayne to Cincinnati if he does sign this life-changing type deal that uh, hopefully gets done. And it is good to hear that a player like Bates wants to make Cincinnati home. And And to me, Jake, this is the path. Like if your anchors, the path to being good again, if your anchors are Joe Burrow on one side, 24 years old, and we just know everything. We raved about him. I'm not going to do it right now. And then Jesse Bates on the other, who's this leader who's younger than Burrow, who's got all this experience, who broke out last year and still seems to have a couple levels to go. Like he left some plays out there lock him up because he could be really, 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 really good. And even if you're paying him $16 million or $17 million or whatever it's going to take, and I'm sure he's going to want to get paid you know, big-time money. I know his agent, he hired his agent last year uh, for a reason because he's really good at negotiating safety deals. Um, that uh, it's going to be worth it because that's one of these guys that can – grab you and bring you up out of this losing season in, in these five straight losing seasons that they've dealt with over the, the past, what, 2016 through 2020.
1: Absolutely. A key, the key piece currently on this team on defense. We'll have to see who's going to join him as a key piece on this defense out of the secondary that, you know, we talked about Chido wouzier had a nice play, got beat on another play. Uh, you know, we, we haven't heard much about Mike Hilton yet, Trey Waynes, I think, making something of a positive impression, at least on Jesse Bates, who was pretty happy with the speed of his new secondary mate from Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I have something on Mike Hilton and Bates definitely noticed a difference, I think, with the newcomers. Wayne's praised his speed, his makeup speed. Um, But with Hilton, uh, all these defensive backs so that, you know, you're talking safeties, corners, they're putting money into a jar. And it's basically uh, something that's going to keep them accountable all year. And I'm going to pull up the quote here and read it. They're tracking loafs. They're tracking pass breakups and interceptions. And so if you're loafing, you got to throw money in the pot. And for example, Wednesday, there were five different loafs and in someone each day, one of the defensive backs, um, so it's not the same guy every day, judges it. And if, if you get caught loafing, then you're throwing money in there. And then the the person with the most interceptions, with the most forced fumbles, uh, th- then they, you know, get part of the pot by the end of the season. And Mike Hilton came up with this idea. And I think it's really cool. And the first two days of camp, I've noticed the ball being punched out a lot. I think there was four times on Wednesday. I don't know why it slipped my mind. Bates mentioned it today. And I was like, man, yeah, Tate fumbled. There's a couple guys that fumbled. I think... Mixon got it poked away today. I don't know for sure if it was Mixon. I was 90% sure. Um, Either way, a running back uh, put the ball on the ground today. And uh, so, yeah, I think that this defense really focused and the new guys have made a positive impact thus far.
1: I like the self-policing accountability. It reminds me of a game that I play with some friends. Uh, It's called Mistakes where you're playing a sport and say you're playing volleyball that's that's the context of this for me you're playing volleyball with your friends and somebody's rotating on the sideline you have five people you're playing two on two and somebody's watching and they choose who made the mistake on the play sometimes it's a person who just like doesn't defend the spike sometimes it's a person you know there's a bad pass sometimes it's a person that misses it and whoever makes a mistake has to rotate out it kind of reminds me of that mm-hmm. where they're they're having a different person judge it every day i really like that
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: James, we uh, typically do a mailbag on this show. Let's get into some mailbag questions because it's, it's a tradition. And just because we're on a new platform doesn't mean the mailbag is going away. And I want to start with a mailbag question that you can answer much better than me, uniquely better than me. And that is, we have a question here from Brian at Brian ross 95 He wants to know what a typical day looks like for players during training camp.
2: Well, it starts with breakfast. I mean, they get there. Breakfast is available at like 7 a.m. And you can get treatment in the morning. You can obviously... Uh, get a lift in in the morning, depending on the player. Do do they, you know, independent lifting, um, and then it goes from there. You got to walk through, and that's when we get there. We get there during their walk through, which lasts uh, ah, about an hour, hour and a half. They're coming off the field around eleven forty-five in the morning. Uh, obviously, they watch film uh, after breakfast, so it's a lot of work in the morning. And then you're going up to to walk through. You're walking through some stuff after meetings and everything like that. And then you get some more treatment and, and, and eat lunch, and you start to prep for practice to Practice and get dressed for practice. And, and practice lasts about two hours from three to five, but players start getting out there two, 2.15, 2.30. Uh, you know, they, they have their own ritual. Jesse Bates said on Thursday that he showers before every practice just like he does uh, before every game because that's what he did before games, and he needs to treat practice like games, and he learned that last year. So uh, there are a lot of little things there that players do they have a little bit of downtime uh where they can adjust the tape uh, you know or or put exactly uh the right cleats on or do you know do whatever they need to do at their locker but uh yeah it's a honestly it's a pretty busy day and um i'm i'm lucky that i'm just covering it and not having to do all the running and lifting uh because i would need more than just one built bar to to fuel me through a a normal day as a, a cincinnati Bengals player during camp come
1: on i know you would
2: love to lift with those guys for sure. Oh, I would do it right now. I've, <laughs> I've thought about that. I just, the COVID has completely uh, dismantled any hope of that happening anytime soon. But uh, that is something that I hope to do uh, at some point. Maybe Jamar Chase, maybe, maybe me and Chase will throw some iron up there. Maybe next year. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He might embarrass me. I might have to, to shoot definitely lower. embarrass me, you. me and Puka Williams. All right. I might have a shot. Still I think. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe you and
1: Evan McPherson. I mean, all these guys were on NFL lifting programs.
2: I yeah, I think Evan McPherson I think I'd have a shot. He would kill me in legs, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, legs would be no no joke there. But no, either either way. But but that's it. It's it's a busy day. And that doesn't mean that players are getting there at seven. Some are getting there much earlier than that and and some aren't. And it, it just depends. But uh, really, if you show up for your first meeting, I, I feel like that's the start of it. But most players are there long before that doing uh, a, a lot of different things. And I don't have the, the actual schedule in front of me, right? It's not like Zach Taylor copies me on the emails. But that, based on talking to players and stuff, that's uh, that's what they're working with. Oh, I guess I should ask you a question as the mailbags work. Yeah, that's how this works. That's how it normally works. Yeah, I, I, I forgot. So. Uh, let's go to Sergeant Huday at Sarge Huday on Twitter. Do you think it's a long shot for Deontay Smith to make the roster? Or do you think he's the front runner for the backup left tackle, right tackle role? Basically, the favorite to be a swing tackle. I don't know if he's
1: necessarily the first tackle off the bench, but he does give the Bengals an opportunity to potentially have backups for both tackle positions and feel pretty good about working a guy primarily left, primarily at right with him and Fred Johnson. But I don't think he's a long shot to make the roster by any means. I think he's a, a virtual roster lock at this point. And, and it's very early in camp. A lot could change. But, I mean, you go back to about a week ago when we talked to Brian Callahan, the episode that aired uh, Sunday night, Monday on the audio only channel. He had only good things to say when we asked him for who are the players, who are the under the radar guys that we should be watching? Deontay Smith was was one of the names he mentioned. He he really likes his length. He's the, the coaches I know like the fact that he's been able to add and keep weight on. That was a concern for him coming out of ECU after he missed a year because of COVID close contacts. He couldn't get into the weight room. So I think that he's, he's definitely a roster lock. And I, I think that he has a very good chance of securing that swing tackle job. But it does kind of make you think if it's Deontay Smith and Fred Johnson, is that who you want to be the first tackle off the bench? Or would you like them to add a little bit there? Now, it could be fine. And and we could see that these guys under Frank Pollock absolutely flourished with the attentiveness to detail. Maybe they're good scheme fits. Maybe it was just, you know, not a personality fit with Jim Turner, which I think actually was the case for Fred Johnson in a lot of ways. But I, I do think that there's no way he's a long shot to make the roster, especially where they picked him. I, I think that Deontay Smith is definitely one of your 53.
2: For sure. I, I, would, I would pen him in, not pencil him. Yeah. I, I would put that in pen. I think that's fair because, again, they're kind of shallow at tackle. I mean, they have a lot of bodies that can play guard. I don't feel like they have a lot of bodies that you, you're you like, oh, yeah, like Quentin Spain played right tackle last year. You never want to see that again, right? So I, I feel like they're a little short on bodies at tackle. I think they could use one more. And it has nothing to do with Deontay Smith, right, or, or Fred Johnson for that matter. It's just adding another proven commodity w- would make sense uh, if they can do it, at least in my mind. But, no, Deontay Smith, he's going to make this team for sure. Heck, he might be uh, the most – Highly regarded rookie offensive lineman right now. I don't. I don't have anyone that said that to me, but uh, is that that far fetched? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's that crazy.
1: It might not be, and we'll find out a little bit more as as time goes on and we see how these offensive line rotations develop. We know sometimes it could just be a rookie paying his dues with Jackson Carmen, or it could be that sure he's just behind, and we won't know for a few weeks, probably until we get to the preseason, we'll have a a real good idea of where things stand when they can't keep secrets anymore. They got to run guys out on the field. Let's take one more question. James Puka Williams is a very popular player among Bengals fans and Mm -hmm. HP Tim 802 at HP Tim 8021 on Twitter would like to know what your thoughts are on moving Puka Williams to wide receiver. And I believe that he's asking this question because it's apparent to everybody, especially people who heard us talk to Brian Callahan that it's going to be tough to get Puka Williams onto this roster as a running back. He's not a running back in the NFL. He's kind of a gadget guy and he was working with the wide receivers today. Wasn't he?
2: He was. Yeah. And he has been. And I think it's a work in progress. Look, he, he is slight. I mean, he's built like me and NFL players aren't built like me. That's why you said Evan McPherson, like Evan McPherson and Puka Williams are, you know, sort of the same build. Now I'm not saying Puka isn't more jacked, Right. And he isn't lightning quick because he is. But I think it's going to take some time because he can't be, he's not going to be able to pass protect. He's too small, right? As a running back. And and so that that cancels any third down running back type stuff. So that instantly makes you a gadget guy. And until he learns, in my opinion, to run routes at a, a really high level, not a running back level. I mean, think about it. If you're lining him up as a receiver, he needs to or, or listing him as a receiver, he needs to be able to to, to do that. And I just, to me, I think the path for him to make the team is punt returner. And it's not like he's going to get opportunities every day. He didn't on Thursday, but to me, that's the path. So he needs to earn at least a a return or two during the preseason and hope he gets a crease and, and, and there you go. Right. So if he can do it in practice a little bit and then he moves it over and, and does it in, in, a preseason game, I think that's his path to making the roster. Because to me, you're right, he's just kind of this weird gadget guy that I think would be cool to have on the practice squad. But as of now, I don't really see a path, unless, again, he wins the punt returner job, where you could say, all right, he could be our fourth running back. Or, all right, he's going to be our seventh receiver. I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a pretty tough path for him with the guys they've got because it seems like at running back, Joe Mixon, Samaji Piran obviously locks. Chris Evans, I would say, a near lock, and and maybe we should keep an eye on him for the next time we talk. We're going to have two practices in the books, Friday and Saturday, before our next podcast, which we will record on Sunday. So when we reconvene, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Chris Evans. But with those three guys, I, I think that at least with Travion Williams, if that's a roster battle, Travion Williams, Puka or, or Puka, um, I think that there's a clear edge in terms of build where one guy looks like he can actually For play sure. running back in the NFL, can block in the NFL. And the other guy is like, okay, how can we get you on the field? How can we make you valuable? And the way the NFL is going, you know, we're seeing less punts and the defense might not force as many punts as you might like. Although, maybe that's a little too mean to the defense at this point in the off season. Are you really keeping a guy just to be a punt returner, especially when you have Darius Phillips on the team and and you have some other options? I mean, he would have to be really, really special. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to see it because, you know, if he's as electric with the ball in his hands, as people are saying, you know, that's a weapon that you like to have on a football team, but you need to be able to do other things too. You need to also be a football player. And that's why for these sorts of guys that, are kind of the the gadget players. It can be very challenging for some rosters to find a spot for them. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll continue to watch how he's practicing, who he's practicing with, and where those opportunities are coming from. And like I said, we're not back until Sunday. We'll get your next episode up later on Sunday with updates from Friday's and Saturday's training camp practices where. Fans allowed in on Saturday, back together Saturday at Paul Brown Stadium. So looking forward to seeing all the content, all the pictures, all the videos from the fans in the stands on Saturday. And until next time, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one.